Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. And we are really so thankful to have this opportunity to be with you each day right here on Search the Scriptures to open up God's Word and dig a little bit deeper, learn a little bit more as we study those rich teachings and truths that God has communicated to us through the Bible, through the Holy Scriptures, His literal Word. We're so thankful to be with you. You know, it's really encouraging for us to have contact from so many of our listeners. We hear from many of you through emails or through telephone calls or some of you write to us. Many of you have actually shown up at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in the Omaha area and you've visited with us and studied with us and many of you have continued to be with us over the months and then the years. We're so encouraged when we run into people who uh, have listened to the program and they let us know that they're listening and that they've enjoyed it. Many times, my wife and I will run into people in the community as we're in a business or as we're visiting somewhere and one of us will invite somebody to services or we'll start talking to somebody and they'll say, oh, I listened to your program, your radio program. And, and again, that's so encouraging. Now, the glory does not go to us here at Sunny Slope Church of Christ. It doesn't go to me. It goes to God because it is he to whom we are trying to bring glory and him is the one, he is the one we are trying to serve as we go through these studies each day on Search the Scriptures as we pursue this ministry through radio. Now, we're also trying to serve you, the listeners. We want to help you come to God. We want to help you get to heaven. So we don't just talk about the Bible, but as the name suggests, search the scriptures, we do exactly that. We dig deep, we look at what God's word says in detail, and yet we try to explain it in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your daily life. We want to help you come to understand that as you will come to believe in Jesus Christ, and I know most of you would already say, I I believe in Jesus, that as you take that belief the step farther that it is intended for you to take, and that is by not just believing in him intellectually, but you take that belief, that faith, and you say, now I need to obey him. I need to repent of my sins. I need to come to God through Christ as Jesus being my Savior, repenting of my sins, confessing my faith in him, and surrendering to him in baptism, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross will cleanse me of the guilt of my sins. And I'll become that new person that the Apostle Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. I will have been reborn, as Jesus told Nicodemus must happen, for me to be in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. I will be in Christ as Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. You see, that is the pivotal point in your life. That's where your life really changes from being outside of Christ to being in Christ, from being lost in sin to being forgiven and redeemed and saved, from being condemned to having the promise of eternal life. Oh, That's a great deal of what this program and this radio ministry is all about. We want to help you get to heaven. Now, at the end of the program today, as we always do, we'll tell you how to contact us. Jot down that information. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready, and then you can jot down that information, how to contact us, 
and then do that. Contact us. Ask for the free Bible study that we always offer. Now, did you understand the word free? <laughs> we don't do as a lot of radio ministries do and say, if you'll send us something, then we'll send you something free. That doesn't sound free to us. And we don't charge people for teaching them God's word. We want to help you and we offer the studies free. We'll even take care of the postage. So be ready for that. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD, so you can listen to it over and over again at your leisure. You can also pass it on to a friend. Or you can go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and you can scroll down to the podcast link, and you can enroll in the podcasts now, they're free, always free, and you can receive all of the sermons and all of the radio programs. They'll be posted each week right there in our podcast network, and again, you can receive them right to your phone or your computer or your laptop or whatever device that you want to use. So again, it's all free. You can access it on an ongoing basis. Now, so have that pencil or pen and piece of paper ready. We'll give you that information in just a little while. We're going to continue in our study here talking about marriage, but specifically about the kind of love that fulfills and sustains marriage. Now that is a unique kind of love. We go to the Greek language and we look at the different words that are translated into English simply as love. Now there might be some kind of a, an attachment to it, such as brotherly love or something like that, but we don't have the equivalents in the exact equivalence in the English language for all of those words in the Greek language that identify different kinds of love. Now what we're really focusing on in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is agape. Now that's the highest form of love in the Greek language. The highest designation, that term identifies the, some people might say the most pure love that is expressed in the Greek language. So I simply refer to it as agape love. And that's the love that Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He uses that particular Greek word, the New Testament originally having been written in Greek. And so we've been looking at that text. And Paul goes through a whole list of the qualities of this kind of love that he is trying to get across we should exhibit, we should embody and exhibit to others around us, especially, I would say, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. But now, what I've really wanted to do in this particular series of studies is take that principle, those, those qualities of agape love, and apply them to the marriage relationship. Now, certainly there's no more important relationship between human beings than the marriage relationship. You're talking about the most intimate of all personal relationships from a human perspective. Now, if, if we look around us, we see that marriages are falling apart all over the place on an ongoing basis. In fact, I believe that our culture is reaching a point of what I might call critical mass, where we're going to have too few good quality ongoing, productive, exemplary families, and the family begins with a man and a woman becoming husband and wife, 
to sustain the quality and the strength of our society and our culture. We keep having all we keep having so many marriages fall apart and therefore families are crumbling. We have so many people who have just decided they're not going to get married. They're going to try to act like married people without actually becoming married. Now they'll blow a lot of smoke and they'll say, oh well we're committed, we're absolutely committed to each other and you don't have to have a piece of paper in order to be committed. That's a lot of baloney. And I've talked about that. That was a social experiment that began in the late 60s and on through the 70s and we found out it is a failure. It does not work. The reason people will try to say, well we're just as committed as if we were married, because, but they won't get married is because they don't want to get married. They don't want to be committed. They're not as committed. If you're that committed to that person, you're supposedly telling you, I love you with all of my heart and I'm absolutely committed to you, get married. Oh no, you don't want to get married? You're not committed. You're not really committed. You're leaving yourself an out and that's what you want to do. You want to be able to have a convenient, easy out so that you don't have to stay with that person if something happens or if you get dissatisfied, you get tired of him or her, or you meet somebody else that all of a sudden you find more attractive. See, commitment goes all the way. Commitment does not stop short. Now, we can go into that in more detail and more depth in a different study, but what I'm just trying to get across is our marriages are failing in, our, in our, our land. And with the marriages failing, our families have be, are becoming more and more dysfunctional. And so that is handicapping our kids growing up. They're not learning from that daddy model and that mommy model what it is to be a husband or a wife, or even really what it is to be a man or a woman. And so we've got to get back to marriage as God designed it. We've got to get away from the superficial kind of purely emotional love that gets us together initially and leads to our saying, I want to be with you forever. I want to be your husband. I want to be your wife. That's got to develop into something deeper, and that's where agape love comes in. Agape love, as we've pointed out in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, it's, it's not just a lot of noise. It's not just ostentatious. It's not flamboyant. It's not just an outward show meant to impress people. But it is deep. It is abiding. It is determined, absolutely determined. It is not based on the worthiness of the one loved, but on the determination of the, in the heart of the one doing the loving. Agape love cannot be earned. It is freely given. It is unconditional. It's not held out and say, well, I'm willing to go 50-50 with you here. No, no, that's not this kind of love. That's not this quality of love. Again, it is determined. It is, it is in the heart of the one doing the loving. He says, I will love you no matter what. It is unconditional. And it quietly hangs in there and does what needs to be done no matter what. You don't fall into this kind of love. You don't fall out of this kind of love because, again, it's not based upon primarily and it's not driven primarily by emotion. It is a love of determination. I made up my mind. I will not stop loving you. So 
you'll do what has to be done. You'll hang in there no matter what. Now, we've looked at several of the positive qualities of agape love that Paul has listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4, through the beginning of verse 8. Love suffers long, the idea of patient endurance, determination. Love is kind. Love is, does not envy. Love does not parade itself, the idea of bragging and flaunting oneself. Love is not puffed up with ungodly pride. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Now, we'll look at the next one. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Does not rejoice in and does not encourage sinfulness in the part of others. Now, as we're making the application specifically to the marriage relationship, this kind of love does not rejoice, does not support a person, does not encourage your spouse, your husband, or your wife when they're living in or they're taking part in sinful activities. In Psalm chapter 31, I should say just Psalm 31, uh, Psalm, I'm sorry, Psalm 34, Psalm 34, beginning with verse, with verse 14, notice what the psalmist writes here. Psalm 34, beginning with verse 14. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. You see, God is pure good, absolute goodness. There is no sin in God. God cannot lie. We find scripture that tells us that in the New Testament. When you think about God as totally, absolutely righteous, then unrighteousness does not go with a relationship with God. And so here the psalmist is saying, you keep your tongue from evil. You don't speak things. You don't use language that is ungodly. You don't tell lies. You don't Use, uh, you know, pursue ungodly pride and keep calling attention to yourself to get glory for yourself. You depart from all kinds of evil, all kinds of evil, and you seek peace and you pursue it because God will be with the righteous, but he will turn away from the unrighteous ultimately. So you certainly do not want your husband or your wife to be a person from whom God turns away. You do not want them to be lost and condemned eternally because of sinfulness in their lives, so you don't support evil. You don't encourage them in, in their unrighteousness or sinful actions. You want to encourage them to become godly, to follow God righteously and faithfully and obediently. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 32, and this is after a long section wherein Paul is talking about sexual sin particularly. He comes down to verse 32. Well, actually, 
right at right before that he expands the text the context into all kinds of unrighteousness in verse 29 he says being filled with all unrighteousness sexual immorality wickedness covetousness maliciousness full of envy murder strife deceit evil mindedness they are whisperers backbiters haters of god violent proud boasters inventors of evil things disobedient to parents undiscerning uh, unforgiving, untrustworthy, unloving, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Do you approve of your husband or your wife doing things that are sinful, that are ungodly, that are wicked? Do you take part in that with them and in, in, and in taking part encourage them to continue those sinful pursuits? The Apostle Paul said to abstain not just from evil, but to abstain from every form or all appearance of evil in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22. You need to be an example and you also need to be an encourager of righteousness to your spouse. So this kind of love, this high quality of love, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rather it stands upon righteousness and encourages your spouse, your husband, your wife to be righteous. You need to be an example. You need to be an example of righteous conduct before your husband or before your wife. You need to not support or encourage or take part in unrighteous behavior of others around you and especially not of your spouse. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That ought to be your hunger and your thirst for righteousness, for godliness, for pleasing God by living according to his teachings. And then in verse 8, Jesus goes on and says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, I know there's a whole lot of peer pressure out there, and there's a whole lot of, unfortunately, people who are not very well thought out on the matter, who really give a wink and a nod and even an encouragement to people who are living in sin of one kind or another. And they'll even look down upon and and criticize people who are trying to stand up for righteousness. They'll look at them as the odd people. Well, they're completely wrong, and we need to not let them pull us down. And especially, you need to be that righteous example to your husband and to your wife and to your children in your home. Your children are going to learn from you and your husband or wife as to how they ought to conduct themselves growing up and then as adults themselves and ultimately as a husband or a wife. In 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, Paul, and notice here he's speaking specifically to wives, but the principles can apply also to husbands. He says, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. In other words, they see that positive, moral, godly, righteous behavior 
conduct, lifestyle in their spouse, and that makes an impression upon them. Countless unbelieving or ungodly husbands or wives have been led to Christ through the steady, consistent, righteous example of their spouse. You could be that positive, righteous example to your husband or wife yourself. He goes on and says, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, how you carry yourself, how you conduct yourself, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on a fine apparel. He says, if that's only where your beauty is, that's just surface level. That's not, that's not deep. That's not really meaningful. But rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Your husband, your wife, needs to see Christ in you on a consistent basis. That's what they need to see. You need to be that great example. Husbands and wives need encouragement to do what's right. Now, that doesn't mean they're stupid or they're little kids, but they just need that, that support from their spouse. And so you need to be that good example. Again, what is Paul saying here as to this quality of love? Love does not rejoice in iniquity. You should not take part in iniquity yourself. Iniquity is just another word for sin or wickedness, ungodliness. So you should not take part in that yourself, but you should not encourage or support your husband or your wife when they take part in those kinds of practices or that kind of behavior or lifestyle. You need to be the example to help them do what's right so that they can have that relationship with God through Jesus Christ themselves. You want to not just spend your life with your spouse. You want to spend eternity with your spouse. And so that is what you're looking forward to. Now, we're going to stop here. We're going to come back and continue on next time. In just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us, write down that information, and then get back with us for that free Bible study or a copy of today's lesson on uh, CD. Again, for free, and we'll take care of the postage. We hope to hear from you right away.